0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report, the day for May the 1st of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news podcast where my hair gets longer, my neck beard grows thicker, and we continue to quarantine together, diving into the gaming news five days a week, Monday through Friday, right here on YouTube and podcast services around the world. So if you enjoy the show, you like what you see, be sure to hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more. However, after much investigation, today's main story is that The Last of Us 2 leakers are not affiliated with Naughty Dog, Sony says. It looks like we have a winner here. Sony has found the perpetrators of this week's leaks. Earlier this week, what appeared to be major spoilers from The Last of Us Part Two leaked on YouTube and Reddit, and Sony now says it knows who the leakers were and, contrary to widespread online speculation, can confirm that they were not a disgruntled Naughty Dog employee. SIE has identified the primary individuals responsible for the unauthorized release of TLOU2 assets, Sony said in a statement. They are not affiliated with Naughty Dog or SIE. The company said in its statement that it could not comment any further on the circumstances around the leak as it continues to investigate the matter. Appearing online last weekend, the leak spoiled major aspects of the game, including its ending. It is disappointing to see the release and sharing of pre-release footage from development, Naughty Dog said in a statement on Monday. Do your best to avoid spoilers and we ask you do not spoil it for others. Some news outlets at the time reported unfounded rumors that the leak had come from an upset Naughty Dog employee. It is unclear what the original source of that rumor was, but it appeared to be based on speculation about the state of working conditions at Naughty Dog. In March, Kotaku reported that the studio was in crunch mode trying to complete The Last of Us Part II and that the long hours were taking their toll on its developers. A debate unfolded on social media over the efficacy of a developer potentially using a leak of this nature as leverage to prompt change in internal studio conditions. Some people argued that any means to effect necessary change would be justified, while others contended that such leaks would only hurt the leaking developer's colleagues and their work. In any case, the rumor that sparked the debate has now been debunked. The Last of Us Part Two was originally said to come out in May, but was indefinitely delayed earlier this month. On Monday, following the leaks, Sony announced the game had a new release date of June 19th, just a few weeks after it was originally supposed to debut. And again, I want to reiterate, the person that was responsible for these leaks is not an employee of SIE or Naughty Dog, uh, and that is a major part of this story. Even I said uh, that it could potentially be a Naughty Dog employee, because that's what the general belief was on Monday. You saw major outlets reporting that exact same scenario. Uh, And the main question here is how did somebody get their hands on such valuable information uh, from the Naughty Dog team? Now, again, as with the show that we talked about on Monday, I believe that's when I covered this story. I will be turning off the comment section uh, because I don't want any leaks to potentially get uh, littered down there. And of course, I will be Monitoring all of that. However, I do want to reiterate that if you are a disgruntled developer and you find inspiration in this hypothetical situation, this is not the way to voice your concerns because right now there are people slaving over next generation experiences and current generation experiences uh, that have thrown their livelihood, their passion into a project for months at a time, and to spoil that on social media and to ruin the surprise uh, is something that is in a way unforgivable. It's just something that is ridiculous because it doesn't solve a problem and it simply spoils the entire situation for everybody else involved. Uh, I just don't understand the concept behind that. It's like if you can't have the cake, then no one else can eat it either. Uh, That continues to blow my mind. And I'm glad that that is not, in fact, the case in this specific situation. However, it's still not acceptable. It's still very disappointing. And I know that the team at Naughty Dog is crushed uh, by the fact that these leaks have gotten out there. But... Hopefully going forward, a little bit more of a uh, a lock and key will be kept on some of the insider information, and hopefully uh, we won't have to deal with this too much going forward. But hey, The Last of Us 2 is still going to be a phenomenal game. I'm looking forward to it very much myself, and now it is going to be launching on June the 19th, just about one month before we see Ghost of Tsushima, which might be my most anticipated game of the year. But in the midst of the summer... It looks like we are going to be getting a brand new event, a fest if you will, because Jeff Keighley has launched Summer Game Fest to capture gaming's biggest unveils. Jeff Keighley, the organizer of the Game Awards, is announcing the Summer Game Fest today. It's a four-month-long season of game industry news events from the top platforms and game publishers. The new festival will be a substitute for the now-canceled Electronic Entertainment Expo, and it will be organized around an online hub for announcements from May to August. One of the big events will include content related to the May 7th news for the Xbox Series X and it will culminate with Keeley's broadcast of opening night for the now all-digital Gamescom. Major game companies participating include 2K, Activision Publishing, Bandai Namco Entertainment, Bethesda Blizzard Entertainment, Bungie CD Projekt Red, Digital Extremes, Electronic Arts, Microsoft, Private Division, Riot Games, Sony Interactive Entertainment, Steam, Square Enix, and Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment. Even before the pandemic took down E3, Keeley said in February he was skipping this year's show as he did not agree with its direction and was heartbroken when Sony decided to drop out of the big show, which normally takes place in June in LA each year. To fill that void, Keeley will use the Summer Game Fest to gather news, support, and game events and release playable content and demos of select titles on top of other surprises, according to an interview with GamesBeat. E3 was a singular week, but now that things are digital, we can pull everything together into a season from May through August for video game events, Keeley said. I found every game company scattered away from E3, but everyone wanted some unifying principle to pull this industry together. I felt the need for it and came up with this idea and talked to everyone. It's a great way to let fans know what is going to be out there. Keeley said he is funding the Summer Game Fest himself as a nonprofit effort to help the game industry. He described it as a free, global, completely digital festival and a prototype for the future in case we are stuck with all digital events for a long time. Quote, we will layer on top of it the idea of playable demos and content that you will be able to download as part of this, taking off the best aspects of a consumer trade show but fully digitizing it, he said. We are going to do a bunch of in game events and other things that encourage people to engage with the games over the summer. It's all free and you can do it from home. This is like the New World Order. The Fest is not a singular show, but a whole season for events. Specific event times and, excuse me, specific event details and times will be shared by each individual game platform and publisher, and we'll see others like IGN's Summer Event and GameSpot's. We are not trying to compete with publisher events, but we are trying to amplify them, Keeley said. They create their own event, but we'll amplify it with our website, which is like a hub for the events. The finale will be Gamescom show that I do. By spreading it out across the summer, more games will get noticed than at E3, where there is so much happening that it is easy to miss stuff, Keeley said. Quote, I think there will still be a center of gravity in June and July with big announcements, but it just is not going to line up in one week, Keeley said. Specific game content will vary by platform. The Steam Game Festival Summer Edition will run June 9th through June 14th, with other platform dates to be announced. And with that kind of event, Keeley will add supporting programming that will add context or drill deeper on the announcements that happen there. Because the event is digital, Keeley said, I don't have to build a multi-million dollar stage. Programming that is part of the Summer Game Fest will air on major streaming platforms including publisher-owned and operated channels on Facebook, Mixer, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube Gaming, and more global outlets and media partners. As part of Summer Game Fest, Jeff Keighley will produce and host special pre- and post-shows for certain flagship reveal events, in addition to producing and hosting Gamescom opening night live on Monday, August 24th. IM8Bit will serve as producers and curators of additional programming to be announced. As for the game awards, Keeley said it will definitely happen this year, but what form it takes depends on how the pandemic plays out. If no one is allowed to gather, the awards will go digital, but Keeley said they have about five different contingency plans in the works depending on what happens. Quote, we are going to produce the show this year in December, he said. 99% of our audience is digital around the world. There has been 5,000 people gathering in a physical place, but I am realistic that you have to have backup scenarios. Really interesting stuff here. So, I think one of the most overlooked tidbits here that really puts this into perspective is that I am 8 bit is going to be essentially taking on their role that they originally had with the Electronic Entertainment Expo, and that was creative director. Again, I am 8 bit is going to be serving as producers and curators of this entire event. So, essentially, Jeff Keighley, who is going to be uh, affiliated with E3 2020, has pulled out of that, I am eight bit pulled out of that, E3 got cancelled, now these two are in bed together making this event, and I am very interested to see how this plays out. Now, overall, I'm interested because, primarily, it's something new that we've never really seen before uh, because this is a multi-month event. Uh, That's something that is going to be kind of massive, and I'm interested to see the legs on this kind of PR Uh, because whenever I think about E3, if E3 lasted for an entire month, it would be neat, but it would be like Christmas lasting for two weeks. At a point, you get kind of tired of it and you're kind of ready to go back to normal life. And also on top of that, at what point do we get uh, used to seeing major news? At what point do we get accustomed to seeing these giant pieces of information and we forget that it's affiliated with the Summer Game Fest? Uh, That's something that we are going to have to kind of grapple with as time goes on. However, if anybody has the potential to make this a success, it is Jeff Keeley. The man has been in the industry for decades. He is a legend. Uh, he is somewhat of a role model for me. I absolutely love what he does, and I cannot get enough of Jeff Keeley and the Game Awards and the hosting, uh, the way that he hosts these events. It is phenomenal and uh, something that is worth watching 100%. So stay tuned. Of course, you can follow Summer Game Fest on Twitter if you want to stay up to date on the latest. And I am sure that it's going to be very interesting as things kick off starting next week uh, with the Xbox lineup for the Xbox Series X. Of course, we talked about that on yesterday's episode of the show, uh, but essentially Xbox and Microsoft are going to be going deep into some of the games that we are going to be seeing on the next gen hardware. So stay tuned. We've got a lot to break down over the next few months. But speaking about Xbox Series X, it looks like it's still on track despite the pandemic, according to Phil Spencer. Uh, Now, I was going to read through this entire article, but it gets kind of lengthy, and essentially what Phil is saying during this interview is that the hardware is still on track, it is the software that's kind of up in the air, Uh, and of course you can go back and read this post on Windows Central, but we've been talking about this exact same story over the course of the past month or more, and I know that we're all tired of hearing about the fact that the consoles are still on track, and then I respond with, well, it's still up in the air in my mind, because who knows how this whole thing's going to play out. I could say that again, but essentially, we have Phil Spencer yet again reinforcing the idea that the hardware is going to be coming out in 2020, but now admitting that it looks like the software could be seeing a couple of setbacks because of the work-from-home situation many of us find ourselves in. Uh, And especially in terms of game development, that can certainly set back a lot of the timeline. We see it happening on both sides of the playing field, whether it be PlayStation, Xbox, or even something on PC, or an indie game, or a AAA. You just can't really deal uh, with working from home in the same way you can with working from the office. And so, it looks like we are going to be getting the hardware, but hey, we'll have to wait and see. There it is. I told you it was coming. I told you I was going to second guess it. However, Evo 2020 has been cancelled, but organizers are planning an online event. The world's biggest fighting game tournament has joined the list of events canceled due to coronavirus pandemic. Organizers announced in a tweet that the annual battle in Las Vegas is off for 2020, but, quote, to keep the Evo spirit alive, we are bringing the event online this summer. According to The Post, all arena tickets and hotel reservations will be refunded automatically, with a form going up next week for tournament registration. Fighting games are a little more complicated to do online than other esports with the tight timing that can be impacted due to connection issues, but we will see if the tournament games lineup stays the same or adjusts due to conditions. And so Evo is a massive gaming event that has been around since the 90s uh, that really is a legend in terms of its viewership, in terms of its popularity, in terms of its uh, really viewability, watchability, whatever the term is. I love watching Evo, and I haven't played a fighting game in years. Actually, I might dive into Streets of Rage 4 tonight, but that's not really what we're talking about here. I'm talking Street Fighter, I'm talking Tekken, I'm talking uh, all of these other Evo fighting games. You know what I'm talking about. It's the big fighting games tournament. but online, I think it does pose an issue. If you have potential cheaters, number one, but on top of that, you have potential connection issues uh, that could certainly cause a headache for the back end, especially for the event organizers. Uh, but I suppose we will have to see how this one shakes out this summer. I have faith in the organization because this is a massive event uh, that is well respected in the gaming community as well. I think that's something that often goes overlooked. This is one that people absolutely adore uh, and will definitely look forward to. And who knows, this could open up the opportunity for more people who might not necessarily be able to pay their way to go to EVO to participate and maybe get some name recognition to kick off their career. But some good news! One of my favorite organizations, the Call of Duty Endowment, is going to add new Fearless packs to Modern Warfare and Warzone for National Military Appreciation Month. May is National Military Appreciation Month and Activision Blizzard, along with the Call of Duty Endowment, are honoring members of the Armed Forces with a brand new campaign, hashtag Code Fearless Challenge. The social media campaign asks followers to honor the service of those enlisted by posting a name or picture of either a vet or current member of the military. The campaign is to raise awareness of the Call of Duty Endowment and its mission to put veterans in secure, quality, high-paying jobs on their return to civilian life. The campaign also comes alongside a new limited-time fearless cosmetic pack being added to Modern Warfare and Warzone. These specific details about the pack have not been announced yet, content, release date, etc., but it is set to go live later this month with 100% of the proceeds going to the Call of Duty Endowment and its efforts. If it follows the trend of previous packs, it will include an emblem, calling card, and other cosmetics for Modern Warfare and Warzone multiplayer. Activision Blizzard donated $2 million to the Call of Duty Endowment as the campaign begins its National Military Appreciation Month. Bobby Kotick, Activision Blizzard CEO and co-chairman of the Call of Duty Endowment said, Military veterans need our support more than ever. With unemployment rates at all-time highs, we know from past experience that veterans will be far more affected than ordinary citizens. With this donation to the Call of Duty Endowment, we find—excuse me—we hope to find jobs for at least 4,000 veterans. The unprecedented COVID-19 pandemic has seen a huge increase in request for help to the Call of Duty Endowment, more than 50% compared to this same period last year. The campaign, along with Activision Blizzard's donation, is in an effort to meet the heightened demand that has come as a result of widespread job loss. The Call of Duty endowment has a goal of placing 100,000 vets by the year 2024. Since its inception 10 years ago, the organization has assisted with the placement of more than 69,000 vets, far more efficiently than similar efforts by the U.S. Department of Labor. And so this is something that's near and dear to my heart because I have military in my family, uh, people that have served in the military, and I am thankful uh, that this is something that people can take advantage of because the Call of Duty endowment is a background uh, it, it's always in the background of the newest Call of Duty. It's always something that, uh, is never in the limelight. But every now and again, like whenever you have a month dedicated to, uh, military appreciation, when you have a big donation from Activision, that's when it becomes something that people talk about again and again. And it's something that I think is very, very important, especially when it comes to the unemployment rate that we have today. Uh, and so if you do want to pitch in, you can, again, just buy the cosmetic pack in Modern Warfare that we'll be launching later this month and a couple of bucks will go to a fantastic cause that helps place veterans when they get back from service. However, to round out today's show, I have a bit of an interesting story for you guys to kick off the weekend. If you're looking for something to play, you might want to play Star Wars Battlefront. Not the new one or Battlefront 2. No, I'm talking about the one from 2014. Excuse me, I'm sorry, 2004. Uh, My bad, I was reading the article. So, it looks like It's now out on GOG as well. If you've been looking for an excuse to pick up Star Wars Battlefront again, you know, 16 years after it was released, now is the perfect time. Entirely unexpectedly, developer Pandemic Studios' much-loved Space Shooter has got its online multiplayer mode restored on Steam. The original Star Wars Battlefront, not to be confused with DICE's 2015 shooter of the same name, released all the way back in 2004 on PS2, Xbox, and PC, giving players the chance to battle their way to victory across a selection of familiar Star Wars locales, fighting from the perspective of either the Rebel Alliance, Galactic Empire, Galactic Republic, or the Confederacy of Independent Systems, and utilizing multiple classes and vehicles. Alongside a variety of solo modes, Star Wars Battlefront originally supported multiplayer for up to 64 participants, depending on platform, through LAN connections and via online play. However, official online support disappeared along with multiplayer service provider GameSpy, which shut its doors completely in 2014, and the version available to purchase on Steam since last year could only be taken online using community workarounds. However, it is not entirely clear what prompted the decision to restore a feature as significant as online multiplayer, with up to 32 players now supported in the update, to a game that is rapidly closing in on its two-decade anniversary, but you can check out the announcement for yourself over on the Star Wars Battlefront Steam page. Online multiplayer on Steam has been added to the game, it reads, matter-of-factly before passing on to the next order of business, as if it's no big thing. And if you are curious to know what else is included in today's update, there is additional, if rather nebulous, audio support, plus fixes for a variety of menu and gameplay issues across a range of different screen sizes. Those eager to relive Star Wars Battlefront's online multiplayer mode can grab the game and dozens of other Star Wars titles, just in time for Star Wars Day on May the 4th, for 50% off on Steam. So that's neat, and also an update at 8pm, of course, uh, that would be Eurogamer time over there across the pond. Uh, It looks like the update is now available on GOG as well. Uh, So this is something that is hugely nostalgic for me, because I remember playing Star Wars Battlefront and Battlefront 2 way back in the day on the PlayStation 2, and I loved the game. Uh, Really phenomenal shooter, one that is absolutely worth diving into if you have not checked it out. Of course, it has some age on it, it is not going to be as fluid and flowy as this year's newest Call of Duty, but if you're a Star Wars fan and you like that sense of nostalgia, it might be the one to tickle your fancy. However, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, drop me a like down below and let me know what stories caught your eye and how you feel about Sony finally catching the leakers for The Last of Us Part Two. But you guys have a fantastic weekend. I'll be back on Sunday for an episode of The Drop, letting you know the newest games coming out next week. On top of that, we'll be back on Monday for a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report. But until then, you guys stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy your weekend. Peace.